Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Monty's Meats Written by Luke Condor Narrated by Eric L. Williams It's the flavor, isn't it? The man said Eyes red and lip quivering It's a unique profile It's the Himalayan salt I think it rather... There was a sadness in his voice. Underneath, hidden under layers of history and loneliness. Yes, quite. I think it rather... When Edward first found Brookwell Manor, the large slab of pale Victorian architecture out there in that field, lost amongst the overgrowth of surrounding woods and greenery, he cried. He dropped to his knees and sobbed into his aching palms. It was the first piece of man-made construction he'd come across for two weeks. After spending a hellish fortnight in the woods and fields of Old Wessex, lost and alone, he'd near enough given up. The birdsong sending him to madness, his own stomach eating itself, the muscles and joints of his body withering and ready to snap. He'd had to jettison his wheelbarrow, which contained what was left of his belongings because... He didn't have the energy to carry it. 
instead leaving the time capsule of his life out there in the woods for someone to stumble across. The stately home sat at the top of a small hill with rolling gardens, bordered with once beautiful walls of flowers and shrubbery. A stone stairway led the way up the center, towards the entrance, past a dead water fountain decorated with a mildewed statue of a singing cherub, the little babe's face exploding with rust and mold. It took Edward an hour to climb those steps to the entrance to what he hoped would be his salvation. Running on hunger and desperation, he kissed the cross that hung from his neck as he pushed on the wooden door. It welcomed him inside with little resistance, and he stumbled in, coughing at the buildup of dust. He was immediately struck by the strong, caustic scent of old meat. That smell took him back to his childhood, the day he visited the butchers his dad worked at. The place with the old man with red cheeks and a striped bib and a straw hat. The place that stunk of flesh and metal, rust and blood, as if they'd just a moment ago been slicing up pigs in preparation for his arrival. It's just meat, his dad said as he fought back the tears. That's what they're for, kid, the animals. Meat is all they are. You'll learn that. I promise you'll learn that. He then pointed to the ruddy butcher with a giant grin behind the counter. But good help, son. There's no family like good help. That same stink of death was redolent in the manor. It hung there in the gloom, dancing with the suspended dust that fluttered with each of Edward's wheezy breaths. Hello? He called to the empty house. Is anybody there? He was met with absolute silence. He sighed, half hoping to hear a friendly voice, half relieved at the lack of savages inside. Since the world had gone to hell, he'd heard only screams and panic and the threats of those who turned and lost their minds to the infection. Better to be alone, he figured, than to be attacked at his weakest. Wandering inside, he took the immediate right, hunting for some sort of food store or kitchen. The place was lit only by the crisscross of sunlight that found its way through the boards of wood, clumsily nailed to the windows. Edward limped into the first door, pushed it open. The smell that hit him was rot and decay, and he retched. His empty stomach fetching up nothing but rancid air. It was a dining room scene, frozen in time with half-drunken bottles of wine silver platters of rotten food and thousands of dead flies spread across the floor and the surfaces. No bodies, though. Closing the door, he turned, walked across the hallway, and tried the adjacent room. This one was empty. A reading room of sorts. A mound of ash lay dead in the fireplace. A Winchester chair sat next to the window, decorated in beams of light, cutting in through the nailed boards, and stacks of old books sat on the table next to it. He would have seen his reflection in the glass cabinet if the sun's beams didn't obscure it. He thought at best he didn't see how the weather had affected his looks just yet anyhow. Another horror for another time. On the fireplace there sat a framed photograph. It had been taken outside at the front of the manor large family of ten or more, children with smooth china doll faces, 
mums in flowery dresses, dads with neatly trimmed mustaches in their fox hunting coats. And then on the side was the butler. Strange to be included in what was likely a family photo, but there he was. A gaunt creature with sunken eyes and bald apart from the gray hairs on the sides of his head. And finally, three sweet corgis panting away at the bottom of the picture, looking at everything but the camera. Edward's stomach nodded and his head lightened. Food, he thought. I need some goddamn food. He opened a smaller plain door and found his way into the kitchen. He feverishly swept through the cupboards, the fridge, freezer, finding a little more than rotten fruit and two mice, which he would have bitten heads right off if he was quick enough to catch them. Oh, but that smell. The pungent one that met him at the door was stronger here. He sniffed heavily, followed his nose like a bloodhound to the far end of the kitchen until he found another door. Suddenly seized with a, a mix of panic and excitement, he limped over to it, kicked it open, and found his salvation. A few concrete steps down, it was cold dark. Along the walls were wine racks, filled with dusty old bottles of reds, whites, rosé, and then, as his eyes adjusted to the darkness, he saw hundreds of brown slices, like little flaps of damp leather with string threaded through their ends, hanging from the smoothed concrete ceiling. They danced, rotating, swinging slightly from the disturbance of Edward's entry. He carefully stepped closer and inspected the first hanging slice. It was smooth on one side and rough on the other, a glaze of salts all over. A quick sniff and there was no doubt about it. It was meat, dry, cured meat. He picked the first one. He yanked it until it tore from the string and stopped just shy from gobbling it up. Where had the meat come from? Would it still be good? Would it poison him? With that, his fingers trembled and his tongue salivated with what little moisture he had left in his body. The starvation made the judgment call for him. He bit into it. It was tough, grisly, and it took some effort to pull a mouthful away. The texture was that of old boots, but the flavor? Oh, the flavor was an explosion of salts, pepper, various spices. His jaw ached as he chewed it up and swallowed. He felt the benefits almost immediately. The protein worked its way into his system, and a buzz of energy filtered into his blood. It felt good to him, and he laughed as he looked upon the bounty in front of him. He was about to take another slice when he noticed another door in the far corner. He walked over and opened it. Oh, the stink of the butchers hit him with something foul. It was pitch black inside. There were horrors in that darkness. He was sure of it. Horrors he wasn't quite prepared to face. Instead, he ripped another slice of meat from the ceiling, grabbed the first of the wine bottles, and walked back into the house 
found his way back to the reading room, slumped down on the old Winchester chair, chewing and gorging on the meat and ripping out the cork of the dusty wine bottle with his teeth. The smell was rich and deep. He quickly gulped at it like a child with a panda pop and it splurged out and into his beard, but he paid no attention. He simply drank and ate until the meat was gone and his buzzing hunger had dimmed. Finally, he was sated. He glanced at the books on the table. The top book was a diary. The word Monty had been scrawled on its cover in beautiful cursive. He drank another mouthful of wine and breathed deeply, relaxed, allowed himself to look through the gap in the boards and saw the sprawling countryside of Wessex County. Fuck you, he muttered, over and over until the wine and the warmth rocked him into sleep. the sun was almost down. Its arc cast an orange glow on the gardens. The clouds had darkened to the color of fresh bruises. Edward rubbed the tiredness from his eyes and his heart jumped as a voice spoke behind him. A Merlot, sir? It had a 54-year vintage. Edward craned his head around to see the silhouette of an old man in the corner. He didn't reply. I trust it was to your liking, sir. The old man stepped forward and out of the gloom. Edward could just make out the wrinkles of his skin, the slumped shoulders, the same gaunt cheekbones hidden now by a fine, wiry beard. It was the butler from the picture, wearing the same suit, dirty and in tatters, his bare toes exposed in the broken shoes. Hello. Edward said, softly relaxed. He didn't want to come across as a threat. Ah, so I see you've eaten. Edward nodded, wiping the meaty stains from his mouth. And I take it you liked it, sir? He nodded again. Splendid. Another step forward and the butler was now in the full glory of the dawn light. The suit had seen better days. It was full of holes and hairs where white fibers had split and frayed. The dogs? Edward said suddenly. Sorry, sir. Those corgis, where are they? They died, sir, years ago. Concern washed over the man's face, and he took one more step forward. Are you feeling all right, Mr. Witt? Mr. Witt? It took Edward a second to recognize what was happening. The butler thought Edward was his master. The infection must have gotten to him, rotten his mind. It, it turned him savage like the rest. Sir, he said. Yes, quite, Edward said, doing his best impression of the, the middle class. Where's Mrs. Mrs. Witt? Where's my wife? Your wife's dead, sir. Do, do you not remember? The butler's mouth quivered, and a nervous tick began to show as his eyes fluttered. You had me kill her, remember? Edward shook his head feeling a turn in the butler's voice. 
He stood up, readying to use the bottle as a weapon. And the children? Morse filled the butler's face. Glance to Edward's mouth. It's the flavor, isn't it? The butler said. Suddenly, eyes red and lip quivering. It's a unique profile. It's, it's the Himalayan salts. I think it rather... There was a sadness in his voice. Underneath, hidden under layers of history and loneliness. Yes, quite. I think it rather... Difficult to tell. Edward wretched. The meat? Is this bastard carved up the family? Were those threads of meat that caught between his teeth were... Were they the legs? Fingers? Cheeks? Buttocks of the family in the photograph? At first, Edward felt revulsion. His stomach threatening to throw up what little content sat there. But then he laughed. <laughs> Almost ludicrously, recognition washed over him and suddenly he knew this man. The butler. Yes, but also the man who looked back at him through the reflection in the glass cabinet. The familiar sharp jawline. The same piercing blue eyes, a, a little more weathered, sure, but that Roman nose was a dead giveaway. Winston, he said? Yes, Mr. Witt. I... Edward took a step towards him, dropping the wine bottle on the floor. The red liquid pooled out at its end. The butler sobbed. I'm sorry, sir, it's just... I, I thought I'd lost you for good this time. This house just isn't the same without a Montgomery wit at its helm. You were gone for so long this time. Montgomery wit? Edward Montgomery wit? His and his father's name. The same name that sat atop the butchers. The same name that ran the meat trade in the whole of Wessex County. Monty's Meats. Another laugh escaped him as he patted Winston's shoulder. <laughs> yes, it was all coming to him now. His chest stuck out. He lifted his head, reclaiming his family pride. You're hungry, Winston. Please fetch up a little more jerky, would you? A slice for each of us. Winston nodded and disappeared into the kitchen and left him to pick at the fibers of family from his teeth. He wondered who the meat belonged to. His wife Miriam, his mom. It was a fine piece of jerky indeed. It had a similar texture to veal. Perhaps one of the boys then, Henry Dillon. Another flash of memory. The unseen room in the cellar was the abattoir. A room of bones and memories. And family. Yes, that too. <laughs> Another laugh escaped him. A preposterous chortle. It's just meat, his dad said. Brothers, sisters, wives, children. Meat is all they are. Meat is all they are. Good help. Winston, he called through the open kitchen door. Yes, sir. Pick us up a nice Sauvignon while you're down there, will you? Of course, sir. Yes, Daddy. Edward Montgomery Witt thought. Yes, you were right, Daddy. Good help indeed. There's no family like good help.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Monty's Meets was written by Luke Condor, narrated by Eric Williams, edited by Carl Hughes, and muted by Doc and Lena Sadianina and Tom Robson. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to support the creators and keep the lights on, then why not become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash Cleaver. You can support the show from as little as a dollar a month. That's less than the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer. And you'll get a special ad-free early access to episodes, Q&As with the creators, and even a special bonus episode produced just for the patrons. That is patreon.com forward slash Cleaver. Until next time. 